Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. And today is no exception. We have a notable guest indeed. Although he has not only a real estate background, he actually has a professional sports background. Welcome to the show, Keith Elias. Well, thanks, Victor. It's great to be here. So, Keith, your path into the NFL was not the typical path, a Princeton graduate. You know, you didn't come from some of the big football schools. Why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory? Uh, yeah, well, I grew up, uh, grew up in New Jersey. And like every high school football player, you want to try to go to that big college and play, you know, under the, the bright lights in the big city and, and find that path to the NFL. And uh, I was fortunate that I had some other, other opportunities. And my head football coach at my high school head football coach made me take a look at the Ivy League saying that a football is something that will last, even if you play in the NFL, you know, the shelf life there, the average career is two years. Even if you, if you break through that, you get to five years, I mean, what are you doing for the rest of your life? And so he was really instrumental in getting me to look at a school like Princeton that not only excelled athletically and you could play great football there and make it to the NFL, obviously, but also there's no better school to go to to set you up for life to come after. And so uh, I went on a visit there, fell in love with the place. That this is where I'm supposed to be. And I don't, I mean, no regrets there. Going to Princeton has been one of the best parts of my life, specifically because of the great football and alumni network postgraduate. You know, it's just great running into folks all the time that are uh, eager to help you out. You know, you and I met a month ago, and one of the things you talked about is the experience of being in the NFL, a little bit like being in the movie The Wizard of Oz, and then when the career was over, it's like going back to Kansas. What was that transition like? Yeah, I mean, really, it is like that, because when you're in Oz, right, you have this incredibly diverse group of people that have a common goal, and then when it's over all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation where your social life was tied to the guys in the locker room and that's gone. They're out on the mission and you're by yourself. Your financial situation is completely different now. You went from making way more money than your peers, right? And then all of a sudden that's completely cut off. And so what do we do next to have an income? Then there's also the relationship piece, the relationship where your family looked to you for support your family in a lot of cases mine was very self-sufficient but um, but even like relationships that will go even deeper the significant other in your life you might have been around somebody for five years that after you're done playing they may not actually like you right and so there's all this whole dynamic that we deal with and I think the biggest one though is identity and you know, since fourth grade I've always been a football player that's who I am well who are you I'm a football player and then all of a sudden I wasn't and so that identity piece that was difficult for me personally, trying to figure out if I, if I wasn't a New York Giant, if I wasn't an Indianapolis Colt, Indianapolis Colt then, then who was Keith Elias really and what was my purpose and what, you know, what was next for me? There were so many unknowns. Wow, Keith, that's so profound and carries to so many aspects of life, not just professional sports. You're back at the NFL carrying the message that you're talking about right now. What would you say are some of the top things that you've discovered on your journey apart from just the identity of I'm a football player? I think the first thing is that we are not what we do. And that was the biggest thing, right? So even for me, when I was done playing, as you know, my story, the first thing I did was like I got into real estate and I 
started to make money and I was making great money. And then, but that money I, I got, I wanted to, I wanted the world to think that was money that I had gotten playing football as if somehow my fo- football money was somehow better than any other money. And that's when I first realized it was about identity. And so with that, with that piece of identity that we're not what we do, but then, then who are we? If I'm not who I, what I do, I'm also not what I own, right? And I'm also not what people say that I am. And I think it, it's, it, it takes a journey of introspection uh, that for me, you know, happened uh, when I really started connecting with spiritual things. And I would say like I am because of who he is, who God is, and what he's done in my life. And so for me, God became that answer that showed me not only who I was, but what I was created for. And I found so much purpose and destiny in my life uh, when I when I you know came in contact and realized that of who Jesus was. And so for me, that 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 was my journey. But for all of us, that I think the the other universals are true. That you can't be what you do, because what happens when you don't do that anymore? You can't be what you own, right? You, there has to be something bigger and better than that. What's your purpose? What's your destiny? Where do you draw significance from? And so these are great discussions, great things to think about, because at the end of the day, if you're on your deathbed, you don't say, hey, bring me my real estate portfolio. I want to see it one more time. Right. 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 You know, I've talked to so many Olympic athletes, you know, who, you know, standing on the podium when the when the national anthem is over, they look around and they say, that was it, you know, and then they. No, and that's that's a that can be an issue when your goal when you when you are I love being goal oriented. My wife and I talk about this all the time. Like we are goal oriented people, but there is a downside to that. And the downside is when the goal is all consuming, and then you meet the goal. It's not even when you because when you don't meet the goal, you're still fighting for the goal your whole life. But when you meet the goal and you've done it, and then you go, huh? And I'm telling you what you said about Olympic athletes. I've heard it from guys who've won the Super Bowl. They tell people it's the greatest thing in the world, but they turn around and they go, man, is this it? Like I did all of this just for that. And the guys that I have found that have find the most significance is when they can turn that thing, whether it's going into outer space, winning an Olympic gold or the Super Bowl into something more, something bigger, impacting the community, impacting their family, bringing purpose to it beyond the goal. And I think that is more significant. So would you say it's really more about the journey than the goal? I'd say there's a balance. I'd say like personally, if if the journey doesn't have a goal at the end of it, then you know, you can walk around aimless with no direction. Right. You're wondering. Right. I think it is good to have these things that we're shooting for, but at the same time hold on to them very loosely so that you don't miss the journey. We don't want to go so fast and so hard in life that we miss the people around us. You know, everybody has a story. Everybody has an issue. Everybody has something in their life that threatens to destroy them. How nice would it be if each of us could kind of help each other out and fill the gaps in other people's lives when we see it? That would be amazing. Absolutely. Now you're back in the NFL in a, in a role that probably is not very well publicized and most people probably don't know about. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, so I work uh, in the player engagement department with the NFL. And so 
my my job is I basically serve, equip, and empower uh, players and their and their families during their career and throughout their lives. That's what we really do. We help guys pursue the passion of their heart outside of the game. So we do that by through education, through resources, through relationship, right? Uh, a lot of vision casting, a lot of life planning, so that everything we've talked about, a guy can realize that. The NFL stands not just for the National Football League, but we always say it stands for not for long. And right. <laughs> you know, while you're while you're in there, though, can we can we create a platform? Can you create a platform that can last you the rest of your life? Meaning, it's meaningful, it's purposeful, it's driven by passion, and you know, and and we use the resources, but we don't let them the resources use us. So are you working with players coming into the NFL or players transitioning out or both? Both. Our, and our department deals with both. Uh, there are other folks in our department that deal uh, with the rookies and the current players a lot more hands-on. Like we have groups that visit the clubs often, quite often. And then my role is I work mostly with veteran players, guys who have played six years or more, helping, again, to, to help them create a vision for their life beyond the game. And I work with our directors of player engagement at, at each club to do that. And then I also work with the, all the former players. And so same thing, helping the former players, locking arms with them, you know, making sure that they get resources and, and yeah, pursue the passion of their heart. That's what we're here to do, help them do that. That's such a wonderful mission. You know, one of the stereotypes, and it's probably one of these urban legends that's bandied about in the media is that a short time after people leave the NFL, they're, you know, they're broken, destitute, and and all the rest. How true is that? Not true. I think that, I don't know where, that there's this sort of erroneous statistic that was published at one point that people have taken as the gospel, like that 67% of guys are broke, unemployed, and divorced when they're leaving the game. And there's really, there's been no, there's no real root to that stat. There's no study that shows that. It's somebody just anecdotally made it up and it's stuck. But right. um, now I, I do know that there is a study that could be in the works. I don't know where it is right now. I don't know if it's stalled or whatever to really find out some of those true numbers. But the reality is that it, it's nothing like that at all. And most of our, our players transition well. And most of the players, the relationships make it. They're strong and healthy. Especially now, I think today's today's players are a lot more savvy and a lot more aware of the pitfalls than in years past. I'm glad to hear that. I live in Ottawa, Canada here, and I know a number of professional hockey players. I think there's a lot of parallels between the NFL and the NHL, where you know they're they're it's such a such a small percentage of the entire sport that actually managed to make it into the league, let alone to stay in the league for a long period of time. So when they transition out. Uh, many of them also can feel lost. But my experience has been that many of them, you know, they, they go on to very successful careers in some other area. Some go into into sales, some go into fitness, some go into become real estate agents. I mean, all kinds of different careers, but most of the ones that I've come across are enormously successful in their second career. Yeah. And I think that there's so many transferable skills for an athlete. So, and for, for really anybody, but I, I will say that in team sports, it, it teaches you how to work with a diverse group of people for a common goal. And so we inherently also take good coaching. And right. so I think that there are transferable skills that help guys transition into what's next. 
So you've obviously worked with folks, not just in the NFL, but folks that have, like you said, established second careers uh, when they're out in the world and they're struggling perhaps in the business world and you're interacting with them. What's the kind of advice you're giving them? Well, obviously it depends on what a guy brings to the table, but first thing we talk about is, you know, are your, we talk about your relationships, your most significant relationships, which are your relationship to yourself mm-hmm. and then your relationship to your significant other your kids or whatever have you. So that's, that's number one. And we kind of have to take a little bit of a dive into that. But the second piece is the financial piece because your relationships, as you probably know, statistically, most or couples are argue over finances. If those two buckets are sound, I think you can really work towards something you know, satisfactory. But I think we have to really talk about relationships and then we talk about finances. And one of the things we have to talk to guys about is that downsizing isn't defeat that downsizing after you play in the NFL is, is responsible because whatever you do next, it probably isn't going to match the salary you were just making. And so how do we look at downsizing? We don't want to be married to a house that you're constantly living and trying to be a slave to this mortgage, right? We want to be able to, to live with freedom and you're going to be married to your family. And so you have to do what's right by them. And a lot of times that means downsizing. And those are difficult conversations because we, especially as men look at, look at downsizing as defeat, as if, as as if it's a failure, you know, and, but really it's not. And there's so much freedom and living beneath your means. And that's what we have to talk to our guys about. How do you create a lifestyle that lives beneath your means now? That's a very powerful message. You know, there's so much in our culture that's about consumption and how much of our country is just living on, on credit and and debt in order to, to fuel that image, that illusion, when in fact, you know, we would be far better off living within our means, being much happier and knowing that there's a sustainability there. That's no question, Victor. Like when I first got married, my wife and I, we, we said this, that was our number one goal is to take a look at what was coming in. And we wanted to live so far beneath our means, didn't care what it looked like, but we wanted to live so far beneath our means that we had financial freedom, not only for us to live for emergencies or whatever, but also to give, like to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. And so that's been one of our goals since we've been married. And it's one of the things I try to talk to guys about whenever I talk to them. Well, Keith, great to catch up with you again. I know we're talking about getting together sometime in the near future. So look forward to that as well. In the meantime, for the listeners, take Keith's messages to heart. They're very powerful. If you want to learn more about Keith, you can check him out at KeithElias.com. You also can connect with him on social media. On Twitter, he is at KeithElias20. That's with one L, E-L-I-A-S. So K-E-I-T-H-E-L-I-A-S 20 on Twitter. Have a great rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. 